How is a missionary's calling unique, given that all Christians should make disciples? That's today on Radical with David Platt. As always, for more gospel-centered resources from David Platt, you can visit us over at Radical.net. What is a missionary? It might seem strange to ask, but is every Christian a missionary? Today's message answers these questions using Paul's description of his own ministry in Romans chapter 15. By carefully defining missionary and missionary team, we should have a clearer understanding of our strategy to take the gospel and plant churches among the unreached. So here's David defining missionary and missionary team from Romans chapter 15. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, or can find one, let me invite you to turn with me to Mark chapter 3. So we're thinking together about key terms when it comes to mission in the church. Terms like gospel and evangelism and conversion, disciple, disciple making. What does it mean to be disciple? What does it mean to make disciples and calling? I want us to think for the next few minutes about two terms together. So missionary and missionary team. And the reason I think these terms are particularly important. So it's important for me as I lead uh, something called the International Mission Board, and we send out missionaries around the world. So who are missionaries? What are, what are missionaries that we're sending out? But I look at the broader evangelical world, and I see a lot of confusion about this term, and even ways that this term is used unhelpfully. So if you were to ask people, what is a missionary? I think there's a variety of ways people might answer that question. So some people might say, well, every Christian is a missionary. So you, you'll hear a famous quote from Charles Spurgeon who said, every, Christianary, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. And he said that in a sermon from 1 Peter 2 on the preciousness of Christ. So to quote Spurgeon, he said, He who really has this high estimate of Jesus will think much of him, and as the thoughts are sure to run over at the mouth, he will talk much of him. Do we so? If Jesus is precious to you, you will not be able to keep your good news to yourself. You will be whispering it in your child's ear. You will be telling it to your husband. You will be earnestly imparting it to your friend. Without the charms of eloquence, you will be more than eloquent. Your heart will speak and your eyes will flash as you talk of his sweet love. Every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. Recollect that. You either try to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. So along those lines, some might say, well, of course, God's called every Christian to be a missionary. He's called every Christian to tell of Christ. But then others might say, well, wait a second. No, I thought missionaries were those who moved to other countries. So that's what a missionary is, a Christian who goes to another country. But then that leads to a question, what does that mean if a Christian takes a job overseas, as long as they're living in another, another country, they classify as a missionary? And some might say, oh, no, 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 people need to be involved in ministry in a country overseas. Some say full-time ministry. Others say part-time ministry. So then it becomes a question of, well, how many hours a week do you have to give to ministry in order to be classified as a missionary? Other people differentiate missionaries from plain old Christians based on the type of work they do. So some say, well, a missionary is focused on evangelism and church planning. So then, simply going overseas and working in an orphanage, for example, that doesn't make somebody a missionary. Or, 
What if, what if I moved to London where I was not long ago to pastor an international church there, just like I pastored the church at Brook Hills here? Does that make me a missionary just because I'm doing it there instead of here? Many might say no, others might say maybe, still others might say, I don't know. So is every Christian a missionary or just a few Christians missionaries? And if it's just a few, if it's a select group, then what qualifies somebody to be in that select group? Maybe a better way to put this is, is there a distinct role or function of a missionary that sets missionaries apart from other Christians in some sense? Now, there's a reason there's a lot of confusion around this term, and it's because Scripture, the Bible, doesn't give us an explicit answer to who or what a missionary is. In fact, you skim through the Bible, and you'll discover that you won't find the word missionary anywhere. It's not in our English Bible, primarily because it comes from a Latin word, materi, which means to send, and the Bible wasn't written in Latin. It was written primarily in Hebrew, Old Testament, Greek, New Testament, Now, there is a Greek word that corresponds pretty closely to that Latin word, and that Greek word is apostoline, which means to send. It corresponds with the word apostle that we see all over the Bible. Over 130 times in the New Testament, we see this word apostle. So you might think, well, that clears everything up then. We'll just talk about how does the Bible define apostle? But unfortunately, that's where actually we don't get a lot of clarity because that word apostle has a range of meanings in the New Testament. So look at Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verse 13 says, Jesus went up on a mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And then listen to verse 14. The Bible says he appointed, Jesus appointed 12, whom he also named apostles. So there's the word apostles. So that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So Jesus sets these disciples apart. And he sends them out. And that's what the word apostle means. Sent one. We won't turn to all these places, but we see similar language in Matthew 10, where we see the names of the apostles listed there. In Luke 6, Jesus chooses his 12 disciples, and then he names them apostles. Over and over again, Luke refers to that group as apostles. But it's interesting, when you get to the book of Acts, which Luke is also writing, he starts to use that word apostle to refer to people outside those initial disciples. So, First, in Acts chapter 1, verse 26, Matthias is chosen to replace Judas as the twelfth apostles. Then he can, twelfth apostle. Then he continues referring to the twelve apostles in chapter after chapter until you get to Acts chapter 14. And there he refers to both Paul and Barnabas as apostles, which sets the stage for all these letters in the New Testament from Paul, where Paul repeatedly introduces himself as one called to be an apostle. Romans 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Romans 11.13, specifically, he says, I'm speaking to the Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. In the next book in the Bible, 1 Corinthians, Paul makes, he goes to great pains to defend his apostleship. So now you've got 12, you've got Paul, you've got Barnabas, And then you've got a variety of other instances in the New Testament where people are referred to as apostles. You've got James, the Lord's brother, in Galatians 1.19. Then potentially Apollos in 1 Corinthians 4, 6 through 9. Epaphroditus, Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. Possibly Silas and Timothy, according to 1 Timothy 1.1 and 2.7. And possibly Andronicus and Junius in Romans chapter 16, verse 7. Now, we know that some of these were called apostles in the sense that they personally encountered the risen Christ and Jesus designated them as apostles with a unique role in the foundation of the church, that would specifically include the Twelve and Paul. 
But there's no question that this word apostoline and its forms in the New Testament also is referring to other people as well, including people who served as messengers sent out from the church for a particular task. And it's all this variation that's led to many views among biblical and missiological mission scholars regarding who or who doesn't count as an apostle in what way. And it's not just kind of scholarship out there. I mean, this is even some discussion and debate within the IMB, which I have the opportunity to lead as we've walked through with our leaders just saying, how does the Bible define these key terms? And thinking about missionary and apostle, this is an area where not everybody in the IMB that I lead agrees on every point here. So you take a passage like Ephesians chapter 4, which is a pretty important text on the church and leadership. And Paul says in verse 11 and 12, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And some people think the reference to apostles there is a reference to missionaries, like we might think of apostolic missionaries today. Others, including me, think that's a reference to the smaller group of apostles who had a unique role in laying the foundation of the church. And here's the deal. I could tell you why those other people are wrong, and those other people could tell you why I am wrong. I could point to Bible-believing scholars who agree with me. Others could point to Bible-believing scholars that agree with them. So my point in mentioning all this is there's a reason why there's often a variety of different thoughts when it comes that come into people's minds when we think about who or what a missionary is. So this is the question that I've had to answer along with leaders around me in the IMB. How are we going to define, define missionary? Because there is a sense, absolutely a sense, in which every Christian is a missionary. So if missionary, like apostle, means sent one, then without question, every single follower of Christ has been sent out by Christ to make disciples of all nations. We talked about this in calling. We talked disciple, disciple making. This is a fundamental part of what it means to be a follower of Christ, is to fish for men, to be a disciple of Jesus, is to make disciples of Jesus. So John 17, as the Father has sent me, so he sends us out into the world. So and that sense, yes, every Christian is a missionary, and I agree wholeheartedly with Charles Spurgeon. At the same time, I also disagree with him because there's clearly evidence in Scripture of some Christians who are uniquely sent out from the church for a particular purpose. And as such, there's a sense in which a Christian who moves overseas or to another context as a missionary is different than a Christian who stays right where they live, making disciples in the context of the community around them. So that then leads to, okay, what is somebody doing when they cross a geographic or a cultural barrier for the spread of the gospel? What I want to do in the next couple minutes is I want to give you a definition of missionary, at least based on how we understand it in the IMB, in a way that I, I hope will be helpful in distinguishing, okay, there's, there's something unique that God does in certain people's lives. Everybody called to make disciples right where we live. But there's something unique that God does in certain people's lives to call them to go beyond where they live, to make disciples in another context for the spread of the gospel in the world. And I want us to think about what, what, what that means and how Scripture shows us that picture. So turn with me over to Romans chapter 15. This is a passage that I think better than any other summarizes that, that sense in which God in his 
Sovereignty and providence calls out certain people for a particular task of spreading the gospel, specifically to those who have never heard the gospel. Look at Romans chapter 15, verse 14. So Paul, at the end of this book, is recounting his ministry, why he's done what he's done, where he's been, and what he's doing now. And listen to what he says. Romans chapter 15, verse 14. He says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles and the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem, so he's recounting his ministry here, and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition... To preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So, In this picture, in Romans chapter 15, I want you to see a a portrait of a missionary. So here's a definition I want to put before you just to think about. This is how we think about missionaries in the IMB. And and, and the goal here is not to be like missionary police. If you don't qualify, if you don't fit all these categories, then you should not call yourself a missionary. Again, we've talked about there's a range of meanings we see here. There's a sense in which every Christian is a missionary. But here's how we view, understand missionaries in the IMB in a way that Well, I want to encourage you, so hang with me, because in the end, I want to basically ask the question, is God leading you to be a missionary in this way? So, so what does this way mean? Think about a missionary as a disciple of Jesus, set apart by the Holy Spirit, sent out from the church to cross geographic, linguistic, and or cultural barriers as part of a missionary team focused on making disciples and multiplying churches among unreached peoples and places. So that's a pretty loaded definition, but just think about it. Let's kind of unpack it step by step. So a missionary is a disciple of Jesus set apart by the Holy Spirit and sent out from the church. So we've already talked about it. At its most basic level, a missionary is a sent one who goes out from the church in the power of the Spirit as a representative of Christ. So this is the picture we see in Acts chapter 13 uh, as the Spirit sets apart Saul and Barnabas. Verse 1, while the church at Antioch was worshiping and fasting and praying, the Spirit said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And the church laid hands on them and sent them off in a way that they didn't do for everyone else in the church at Antioch. So most of the people in Antioch just stayed right where they lived, making disciples right where they lived. The Spirit was setting apart Paul and Barnabas, to go out from the church at Antioch on a particular task. And that's why they're called apostles in Scripture. So this word from which we get missionary, they're being set apart by the Holy Spirit, sent out from the church for a particular task. So when we think 
missionary. We're not just talking, okay, Christian or church members. So yes, that, but there's something more going on here because the Spirit sets some people apart and the church sends them out for a particular purpose. Now, this is where we actually, in our definition of missionary in the IMB, add here that this person is sent out from the church and affirmed by the IMB. So just a, a quick background, like the IMB represents 40,000 plus churches who have pulled together their resources for the spread of the gospel to those who've never heard it. And as as, as the Spirit sets apart different people from different churches to go out as missionaries, we have processes through which we discern with that church whether or not the Lord is indeed leading that person to another place. So we have all kinds of assessment processes to walk through. Okay, are you growing as a disciple? Are you giving your life to making disciples? Is the Lord calling you to do this in an Acts 13 kind of way? Now, to do this, what, what would the Lord be calling you to do? Well, that's where the definition continues, to cross geographic, cultural, and or linguistic barriers. So a missionary is going to be crossing one of those barriers, at least one, if not more, for the spread of the gospel. So that's what we see happening in Acts chapter 13. Paul and Barnabas leave Antioch and begin to travel to different cities and different regions. So they're crossing geographic barriers. When you get to Acts chapter 22, verse 21, Paul is talking about Christ's call and his life, and he describes it in both geographic and cultural terms. He says, Jesus said to me, go, for I will send you. So there it is. You're sent out. I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So Acts 22, 21, I'm going to send you, been sent out far away to the Gentiles. So there's far away geographic barriers to the Gentiles across cultural barriers. And that's exactly what we see in Romans chapter 15. Paul has gone to the Gentiles from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum in many different geographic places. So there's clearly a sense in which the apostle or the missionary is crossing barriers for the spread of the gospel. It could be any of the above, geographic, cultural, and or linguistic. So think about this. I mentioned London just a second ago. So we have missionaries in London who have been sent out from churches to cross a geographic barrier, but not necessarily a linguistic barrier. So what makes someone a missionary is not just that they're learning another language. That may or may not be involved. When Paul was on his missionary journeys, he wasn't learning new languages, but he was crossing geographic and cultural barriers. At the same time, I would say most IMB missionaries are crossing that linguistic barrier. They're going deep in language and culture and other places in order to learn how to clearly communicate the gospel to certain people and places. But it doesn't necessarily have to be all those, but it's going to involve at least one of those. So missionaries are sent, set apart by the Holy Spirit, sent out from the church to cross geographic, cultural, and or linguistic barriers as part of a missionary team. So missionaries serve in teams in which different people have different roles and responsibilities in the missionary task. Now, we'll talk about that more in just a second when we dive in deeper into missionary team. But this phrase is really important in this definition of a missionary because we see Acts chapter 13, keep going back to that. So Paul and Barnabas went out as a team together. And as we read throughout the New Testament, we see this picture of team. We saw it with Jesus sending out his disciples. Even when he would send them out in Matthew 10, Luke 10, he sent them out two by two. And the picture we see in the New Testament is team. Paul and Barnabas going out. You get to the end of Acts chapter 15, and you see Paul and Barnabas kind of split ways. And Paul brings Silas on his team. And then we see Timothy and others join in. So Paul is almost always, almost always traveling with a team. You look at a passage like Acts 16 when Paul is discerning where the Lord is leading him. And it's not just him. 
It's them. Acts 16, 6 says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak in Asia. When they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Now, it's interesting, when you get to verse 9 in that chapter, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So then, Luke says in verse 10, when Paul had seen that vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So even when God's speaking to Paul as a missionary, directing him, leading him, guiding him, it's not just him, it's them together. So Paul working with different people, a part of a team. And obviously on that team, different people had roles, different roles and responsibilities. It's really encouraging. You go to uh, the very next chapter here in Romans, Romans chapter 16, and you look from verse 3 down to 16, you see a whole catalog of different people who were playing different parts in missionary journeys that Paul was a part of, that he had interacted with. And you get to verse 7, you see Andronicus and Junia, that some believe is a reference there to them being apostles. So the reason I, I want to point that out, and we'll again dive into it a little bit more in a minute, but it's important to realize Paul was not the only missionary on the pages of the New Testament. There were different people with different roles and responsibilities and team working together, crossing geographic, linguistic, cultural barriers for the spread of the gospel. So that, that leads to, okay, so what do missionaries do? What are they going to do? And the definition I gave earlier is missionaries are sent out, set apart from the Holy Spirit, sent out from the church to cross these barriers to, as a part of a team that's focused on making disciples and multiplying churches. So that's just an effort to summarize the missionary task. So missionaries don't just go across barriers just for the fun of it or just to kind of live general Christian lives. They, they go with a specific purpose. They go to proclaim the gospel, to evangelize, to be witnesses to Christ, to proclaim the gospel to people. As people come to Christ, they, they want to see them grow in Christ. They're making disciples. They're baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything Christ has commanded us. And as people are coming to Christ, they gather, missionaries gather them together into churches. And in those churches, they help raise up leaders, pastors for those churches. They train leaders to shepherd those churches. And they work with those churches to train up missionaries to be sent out from those churches. All of that is involved in the missionary task. And so missionaries are going for a specific purpose, not just to do good deeds around the world. So yes, that as a follower of Christ, undoubtedly that. But they have a specific focus. They want to evangelize, proclaim the gospel, disciple, draw people to Christ and help them grow in Christ, gather them together in churches, work toward healthy church formation and multiplication, training up leaders for those churches. That's what missionaries are doing in the context of Team. So people will ask me, well, do I need missionaries focus on evangelism or church planning or leadership training? And the answer is yes, all the above. Missionary teams, evangelize, disciple, plant churches, multiply churches, train leaders. All of those are core components, components of the missionary task. And again, missionary team, different people might have uh, particular gifts in this part of that task or that part of that task, but they're all working together. Missionaries in the context of a team working together to see the church planted. Picture Acts chapter 14, verse 22 and 23. 
uh, describes at the end of Paul's first missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas have gone to these different cities, and what they've done is they've led people to Christ, they've gathered them together into churches, they've appointed elders for those churches, and they've entrusted them to the Word and the Spirit. This is what missionaries do around the world. And this is what Paul's saying when he says in Romans chapter 15, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem around to Illyricum. This is what I have done. Now it's interesting. So what he says next after this, there is, he says, there is, thus I make it my ambition to, uh, to preach the gospel, not where Christ has been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. So basically, Paul just said, okay, I fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem around to Illyricum. Well, does that mean everybody was saved from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum? And the answer is clearly no, like not everybody was saved. But people had come to know Christ in those places. They've been baptized, they've been gathered together into churches. Pastors have been raised up for those churches. They were carrying on ministry. And so then, this is the heart of the missionary. The missionary is saying, once that work, that task is done in a particular place, the missionary is looking to move on to places that have not heard the gospel. This is what is driving Paul. It is my ambition to see Christ preach where he's not been named. So the missionary is always moving continually toward seeing Christ preach where he's not been named. Now, this is a good point to come back and think about team again, because it's not just Paul who's involved in this task in the New Testament. We look in the page of the New Testament, it's Paul, yes, alongside many other people. And all of them are working together in different ways to see Christ preach where he's not been named, to see disciples made and churches multiplied. And so this is where I just want to come back to the importance of teams. So no Christian was intended to live in isolation. So none of us as followers of Christ is intended to live the Christian life on our own. We need the body of Christ. Romans chapter 12 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Hebrews 10, all make that clear. So if no Christian was intended to live in isolation, then certainly no missionary making Christ known in another place where he's not been known is intended to do that in isolation. When we look in the New Testament, we see at the very least biblical precedent for teams with Jesus sending his disciples out two by two with Paul and Barnabas being sent out together, then Paul and Silas, Paul and Timothy, all kinds of different people working together as a team. So we see biblical precedent for this. I think we see strong personal, practical, even pastoral reasons for Christians to serve in the context of team. We need brothers and sisters. We're not intended to live as lone rangers in the world as followers of Christ, much less missionaries on um, spreading the gospel of Christ to places where it's not not, not yet gone. And even evangelistic reasons exist for us to serve in teams on mission. You think about John 13, 35. By this will all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. It's our love for one another. There's something unique about Christian community that's a part of the display of the gospel in the world. Jesus says this in John 17 when he prays for unity in the church and in a way that will display the glory of the Father. So when we put all that together, we in the IMB have said we believe it is best for missionaries to serve on teams 
in which different people have different roles and responsibilities in the missionary task. And the reason this is so important is because well, when we think about missionaries, if, if we're not careful, we might just think, okay, the Apostle Paul, he's a missionary. I'm just not, I don't have the same gifts as, as Paul does. I don't really have the same leadership uh, abilities as Paul does, so maybe I'm not a missionary. Well, we've got to see on the page of the New Testament all kinds of people doing all kinds of different things. So not to get into a, a too narrow a view of missionary that we lose sight of the importance of team. So when we talk about team in the IMB, we're talking about a, a group of missionaries who meet together regularly and care for each other selflessly, and they're working together intentionally for the spread of the gospel of those who've never heard it. And different people on that team with different roles and different responsibilities in the missionary task, saying we need others alongside us in this task. And realizing, okay, that team doesn't just involve uh, missionaries like IMB missionaries who are serving together. It involves national believers, especially as people come to Christ. Many times they become a part of the missionary team in a particular place, or we come alongside other great commission partners in different places. So teams can be made up of all kinds of different people who are doing this work together. The important thing is we we prioritize being a part of a team that's doing this work to, together. So I want to encourage anybody who is wondering, is the Lord leading me to be a missionary? Not to think about missionaries as lone rangers. And as you think about sending out missionaries from the church to say, we want to send out missionaries in teams. Now, not that doesn't necessarily mean in every single church, you've got to have at least two who are going out from that church. That's part of the beauty of what we get to be a part of in the IMB is helping different churches as the Lord sets apart this person for the missionary task and this person in that church for the missionary task, then we can bring them together onto teams in different places around the world. But it's important that we serve on teams. And teams don't even have to just be comprised of the people who go out together. The reality is, as people come to know Christ or there are Christians in a particular place, then they can be a part of teams. So national believers in different parts of the world uh, or other Great Commission partners that we come alongside in the journey that can be a part of teams. The important thing is missionaries are not intended to serve in isolation. So with that picture in Scripture, I, I look at the church culture around me in North America and I see millions of followers of Christ. And then I look at a world where there's 2.8 billion people who have little to no knowledge of the gospel. Christ has not been named among them. And I'm just convinced that God is calling out multitudes more missionaries. And by missionaries, I don't mean every Christian. This is, this is why I'm really... Uh, I want to be intentional to say, so yes, there's a sense in which every Christian is missionary, but if that's where we stop in our definition, understanding of missionary, and so we're all called to just be missionaries right where we live, if that's all we understand as a missionary, then we'll never complete the Great Commission. Because there's 2.8 billion people who don't have a Christian near where they live. And unless some Christians cross some geographic, cultural, linguistic barriers to take the gospel to them, they won't ever hear the gospel. They'll continue to exist without the gospel. And so I, I pray continually that God would raise up more and more and more missionaries. Men and women 
set apart by the Holy Spirit and sent out from the church to cross geographic, linguistic, cultural barriers as a part of a team focused on making disciples and multiplying churches among unreached peoples and places where people have not yet been reached with the gospel. And I would just encourage them, in light of this picture we we see in Scripture, every follower of Christ, would you just ask the Lord, are you setting me apart to do that? Just ask Him. Ask Him now, today, ask Him periodically in your life. That's what I encourage pastors to do. Like, have an Acts 13 kind of moment in your church a couple times a year where you just worship and fast and pray as a church and just say, Lord, here we are. Are you setting apart anybody from this church right now? And just seek Him, listen to Him, and then as you sense maybe He's leading me to do this, then walk through a process with your church. That's the whole picture. Set apart by the Holy Spirit and sent out from the church. The church laying their hands on Paul and Barnabas and sending them out. The church is intended to be involved in this process. So discerning with brothers and sisters, is the Lord leading me to do this? Just ask Him. Ask Him as an individual follower of Christ. Ask Him as a church. Who are you setting apart from us? And then just be open to where He's leading. And I pray that God will raise up multitudes more men and women set apart by the Spirit, sent out from His church for the spread of Christ's good news where He's not yet been named. Let me pray toward that end. Oh God, we see You orchestrating, uh, calling missionaries in the New Testament setting people apart for the spread of the gospel in the world. And I believe, I know, we trust, we believe that you are doing the same thing today. You're setting people apart for the spread of the gospel, those who've never heard it. So I I pray that you would, in a Matthew 9, 35-38 kind of way, raise up multitudes more laborers for the harvest field. That even and the hearts and lives of those who are listening right now, that you would uh, trigger in their hearts and minds a desire, if you are leading them to do this, a desire to go as a missionary, that you would grant them grace with the brothers and sisters around them in the church where they are to discern how you might be leading them. God, I I pray that in the days to come, you would multiply. Mobilize multitudes, multitudes more men and women from your church for the spread of the gospel where there is no church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If this sermon podcast is helpful to you, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? It only takes a few minutes, but it's very helpful in helping us grow this resource. So why should churches focus on the unreached if there are so many lost people in our own communities? It's an important question. That's next week on Radical with David Platt. I'm your host, Thomas Bowen. We'll see you next time. Until then, join us over at Radical.net.